drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Christ is risen. Truly, He is risen. Praise be to God. I pray that your your Easter weekend was amazing, that your triduum was just incredible. Praise be to God. But we're back at it. Uh, Easter, uh, pop quiz, how many days, how long is the one Easter day? Adrian Fonseca, good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, you're, I'm assuming you're referring to the octave of Easter, the eight days. Oh, you know, octaves are the coolest thing ever, and we got to bring back celebrating octaves. Let's, uh, I'm uh, going to be feasting uh, every day. Uh, uh, let's see what Emily says first. Emily, good morning to you. Good morning. Um, you mean the Easter season or Easter? The, the you, Feast of Easter is an octave. So you tell me. You, you're on the hook for eight days. Is that what yeah. you're and Adrian's also on the hook for eight days. Eight Darn days. it to Bitsies. I was hoping one of you would say 50 days, but it didn't happen. No, no. that's just wrong. <laughs> well, we're hearing some feedback on Emily's side. Emily is uh, is tuning in via Zoom all the way from the Windy City, and we're get, we're catching a little bit of that wind this morning, Emily. So uh, good morning to you. How was your Easter, Emily? Morning. It was really wonderful. I got to go to the Easter vigil with my family, which was a lot of fun. Praise be to God. That's awesome. Uh, what a wonderful time to be able to spend with family. And Adrian, I, I, did you go to the vigil mass or morning mass? Oh, yeah. We went to the vigil mass. Me and my family were there at 10 or like 930 to get there, make sure we had seating. And mass ended at like 2 a.m. It was great. And then we feasted. 2 a.m. And we feasted at 2 a.m. It was great. Did was you awesome. really? Oh, oh yeah, we did. Man. We had barbecue. We went to a party. <laughs> at that, 2 a.m.? Yes. We went to a party at like noon. And we didn't eat the barbecue because we were like, okay, we're going to fast for Easter. <laughs> and we got like a ton of barbecue, brought it home. We're like, we're eating this right after when we get back from the Easter vigil. Insane. And we did. It was Insane. awesome. Insane. Well, we went to 10.30 morning mass yesterday, so I guess it's not not nearly as cool and heroic, but praise be to God. Well, dear listeners, uh, good, good morning to you. Happy Easter. We're glad to be on with you again for another week filled with incredible guests this week. We're very excited. Today, did you, un- did you know that the uh, collection plate at your parish probably took a major pay cut in the pandemic? Uh, Brendan Hodge from The Pillar, he's got an article out on uh, the collection plate uh, cuts in the pandemic year. He's going to be on the show later today to discuss that. There was all kinds of incredible news over the weekend. Another t- attack on the nation's capital. Police officer died as a result. Uh, 553-some-odd million Facebook users has their personal data uh, hacked and posted on on the interwebs. That's always fun. And police in England interrupt a mass and shut it down. There's all kinds of crazy stories. And there's a good chance Michael Knowles from The Daily Wire will be on our program tomorrow to talk about woke culture. So a lot to discuss this week. We're so very glad you're part of our program. And we are looking forward to jumping into it. Do me a favor. If you're watching us live via a video stream this morning, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, please uh, share and like. That would help us out quite a bit. But let us jump into it. Uh, we have so much to get into. Breaking news and stories. Saint of the day. Gospel of the day. Our game show is back this week with new prizes. Plus an after show. It's going to be jam-packed and we're very excited. Uh, whatever your intentions are, dear listener, we are certainly praying for you. 
we're asking you to continue to pray for us, but we're going to ask the, the, the uh, Queen of Heaven and Earth to pray and intercede for all of us this morning by whispering these intentions into the ear of her Son. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Emily Alcaraz. Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves repealed his state's mask mandate on March 2nd, and the state's COVID cases has dropped. Texas also saw a 14% drop in hospitalizations for COVID and 19% fewer deaths from the virus after lifting the mask mandate. The state of Mississippi saw similarly positive data in the past week on record. Cases are down 22% in the past week. Hospitalizations for COVID fell 19% and deaths have dropped by 15%. Other states which recently repealed mask mandates, including Wyoming, Georgia, and Idaho, also saw COVID case and death counts fall in recent days. By contrast, states where stringent COVID restrictions and state-enforced mask policies are still in place, such as Michigan, New York, and New Jersey, have continued to see COVID case counts and deaths rise. Police officers interrupted the Good Friday liturgy at a Polish church in South London on April 2nd, ordering worshipers to leave or face a fine or possible arrest. A video posted on YouTube showed a police officer addressing the congregation from a pulpit in the sanctuary of the church, informing them that the gathering was unlawful under current coronavirus restrictions. An April 3rd statement on the parish's website said, On Good Friday, the police came to the door of our church. We were not allowed to finish the celebration. We believe that the police grossly exceeded their powers by issuing their order without adequate reason, as all government requirements were met. The latest government guidelines and guidance from the Catholic Bishops' Conference of England and Wales permit public worship in Holy Week, with congregations obliged to observe strict rules to prevent the spread of the coronavirus. Italian media reported Thursday that Pope Francis celebrated the Mass of the Lord's Supper in the chapel of Cardinal Angelo Becciu's private apartment, the cardinal who resigned from the Vatican Post last September. The Mass took place at the same time as the Mass of the Lord's Supper at St. Peter's Basilica, which was celebrated by Cardinal Giovanni Battista Re, Dean of the College of Cardinals. The Vatican did not say in advance why the 84-year-old Pope opted not to preside at this year's Mass in the Vatican. Cardinal Becciu has been linked to a number of financial scandals, most recently the Secretariat's investment of hundreds of millions of euros with an Italian businessman and the controversial purchase of a London building. Becciu resigned in September as Prefect of the Congregation for the Causes of Saints and from the rights extended to members of the College of Cardinals. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Monday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. St. Vincent Ferrer, pray for us. He was born on the 23rd of January, 1350 in Valencia. He was the fourth child of the Anglo-Scottish nobleman William Stuart Ferrer and his Spanish wife, Constantia Miguel. 
His father is reported to have had a dream in which he was told that Vincent would become the world-famous Dominican friar. I mean, you probably haven't heard of him. or Maybe you have because you listened to this show. But let me tell you, this guy is truly amazing. The boy joined the, the Dominicans in 1367, received his doctorate of theology, was ordained to the priesthood, became a missionary, taught theology, and an advisor to the king of Aragon. During a severe fever in 1398, Vincent had a vision of Christ, St. Dominic de Guzman, and St. Francis of Assisi. It was a life-changing experience for him. Vincent received supernatural gifts and was he became a messenger of penance, the angel of the apocalypse, and he was sent to prepare humankind for the judgment of Christ. He became a great preacher, and he converted thousands in Spain, France, Italy, Germany, the Netherlands, England, Scotland, Ireland, and beyond. He, invited, he was invited to preach in, in Muslim Granada, even. He had to be kicked out because of all the converts he was making. He became a counselor to Pope Benedict XIII, traveled throughout uh, Spain and France and Switzerland and Italy, working to end the Western Schism. He slept on the floor. He had the gift of tongues, although he only spoke Spanish. Everyone, no matter what country he was in, could understand him. He lived in the endless fast, celebrated Mass daily, and was known as a great miracle worker. In fact, he even brought people back from the dead just so that they could testify that he was, in fact, the angel of the apocalypse. He would heal people throughout hospitals, even though he stood out front and just prayed over the building. He worked so hard to build up the church that he became the patron of people in the building trades. St. Vincent Ferrer is known for literally 65,000 miracles during his life to include flying not just levitating. <laughs> it's amazing. He died on the 5th of April, 1419, in Brittany, of natural causes. He was canonized on the 3rd of June, 1455, by Pope Callistus III. At the recognition of his canonization, the stories of 800 of his many, many miracles uh, were read aloud. St. Vincent Ferrer, pray for us. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 28, verses 8 through 15. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went away quickly from the tomb, fearful yet overjoyed, and ran to announce the news to his disciples. Behold, Jesus met them on their way and greeted them. They approached, embraced his feet, and did him homage. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. While they were going, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests and all that had happened. The chief priests assembled with the elders and took counsel. Then they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, telling them, You are to say his disciples came by night and stole him while we were asleep. And if this gets to the ear of the governor... We will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. The soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has circulated among the Jews to this present day. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is risen. Truly, he is risen. You know, Jesus predicted his own uh, resurrection 
no less than six times in the Gospel of Matthew alone. And even today, you will find, and of course, I'm sure we've all met somebody in our life who just refuses to believe in, in what they would think is the myth of Jesus, the myth of his passion and death, the myth of his resurrection. If you just look at this passage alone, if you go back and read uh, even the few verses before, this is Matthew 28, 8 through 15, just back up to the beginning of Matthew 28 and read through this passage. Just look at this one passage. You will see there's tons of proof here. There's the witness of the women themselves, which comes down to our day. There's the witness of the apostles who traveled around the, the, uh, you know, the Mediterranean and Europe and beyond. St. Thomas went to India, martyred for the faith. There's the witness of the soldiers themselves. I mean, why do you have to pay off soldiers to lie unless the body were inside the tomb, safe and secure? I mean, if the body's not there, then something had to have happened, right? As St. Christentum would point out, how about those napkins? I mean, if the apostles were going to steal the body, why would they bother to take the, uh, the cloth off? Why would they bother to leave these cloths behind? Wouldn't you just grab the body and run? I mean, he even points out how, I mean, they, these are the same apostles who refused to even be, be at the foot of the cross, save John. Outside of that, they wouldn't even be there. And here they are going to confront the guards at the tomb, roll back the stone and take the body after having undressed it? Yeah, not likely. Now, what about the, the issue of going to Galilee? St. Augustine points out that this, this has a great meaning. That since the Jews reject Jesus, it's time to go to the Gentiles. And, of course, we know Galilee is a mixed bag between Jews and Gentiles up there. Samaritans and, and the like. And we know that St. Paul, that would be his primary mission, would be to the Gentiles. And we, but St. Jerome points out that this was a doubling down. They had to pay the guards to keep secret the truth, to lie about the whereabouts of Christ's body. This is a doubling down, a total rejection of the Messiah on behalf of the ruling party of the Jewish people. Let that sink in for a moment. St. Jerome would say, thus the chief priests who ought to have been by this turned to patient, to penitence rather, and to seek Jesus risen, preserve in their wickedness and convert the money which was given for the use of the temple to the purchase of a lie, as before they had given 30 pieces of silver to the traitor Judas. Christ is risen. Truly he is risen. Let us proclaim it joyfully to the whole wide world. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with What's Concerning Us and more Catholic Drive Time headed your way. Many atheists assert the only real form of knowledge is scientific knowledge, thus excluding any sort of religious knowledge, whether philosophical or theological. Such a belief is called scientism, and it's unreasonable for two reasons. First, it's self-refuting. Its truth cannot be verified by the scientific method. It's a metaphysical proposition, and as such, is not scientific knowledge. But if science can't verify the truth of scientism, well then, scientism itself cannot be a legitimate form of knowledge, in which case, it's self-refuting. Moreover, scientism undermines science as a rational form of inquiry, because it denies presupposed philosophical assumptions that are necessary to even do science. 
such as there's an external world outside the minds of scientists. So to reject God's existence on the grounds that it's not scientific knowledge is simply unreasonable. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Hi, Joe McLean here, host of the Catholic Drive Time, heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of the Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. Real Estate for Life offers their clients a faith-based experience. Real Estate for Life is online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It is so good to be on with you. Christ is risen. Truly, He is risen. Welcome to the uh, What's Concerning Us section. Coming up in uh, 18, 20 minutes or so from now, Brendan Hodge from The Pillar is going to be on our show. Uh, the collection plate at the parishes have taken a major hit in the pandemic. We'll talk about the statistics, what it what it all means later in our show. Uh, of course, we're going to have a game show in the second hour. Very excited about that. New prizes. So if you're able to join us, we'd love to have you. Plus a uh, an after show program where we chat with you and you get to drive the conversation. If you're listening to us on the Station of the Cross this morning, good morning to you. Praise be to God. Happy Easter to you. And of course, the Guadalupe Radio Network, good morning and happy Easter. It's so good to be on with all of you. Uh, Emily Alcarez is live with us from from the Windy City, Chicago. Good morning again, Emily. Good morning, Joe. How are you guys doing? It's weird not to be in studio. It is weird. Praise be to God uh, that you had an opportunity to hang out with your family. Um, but praise be to God that we were able to go to Mass this weekend. Had no issues whatsoever. It was. It felt very normal, at least at our church. It fe- I'm sure many churches doesn't feel normal. But um, this story out of England is very concerning. They, they interrupt Holy Mass and shut the place down. In England. I'm not China. This is England. Yeah, and it was an interesting story because it seems like this was a Polish mission. Um, So it was a ethnically Polish church in London, and they were following, according to the parish's own statements, they claimed that they were following all COVID restrictions, so they had distancing. And it wasn't necessarily against the law, but somebody called the police on them because people were lining up outside to go to this Easter Mass. Um, which sounds like a great thing to me. I'm, I'm happy to see people going back to the liturgy. Um, but no, they called the police on them and the police kicked everyone out and they left quietly, peacefully and obediently. So very disappointing that, you know, on the on the liturgical height of the year, um, the, the mass was interrupted um, senselessly in a way because they were following the you know, the distancing rules and everything. So that was really disappointing to see. Apparently it was a 200 pound fine. If people didn't leave, or they would, or they could be arrested for going to Holy Mass, um, wow! At what point do they say enough is enough? I mean, at what point do we say enough is enough? I mean, they can wear the masks, they can stand six feet apart, and still, it's not good enough. You're not allowed to be there. I guarantee they can still go to the grocery store in England. I guarantee if they had to buy parts for their toilet bowl, they could probably find a hardware store where they could get those parts or, or, or what have you. But go to Holy Mass, forget it. It seems insane. Um, very, very concerning. I did ask Dorothy Cummins-McLean, who wrote that article off of LifeSite. She, she reported on that. 
I did see, I did inquire with her this morning to see if she was available. Unfortunately, she didn't get back to me. Um, we may be able to get her on later this week to sort of follow up on that story. Plus, she has another story. I don't know if you saw this one too, but she was commenting on apparently something Tucker Carlson reported on. But in Canada, now Canada, we, we need to get a guest on for Canada. We need to find someone um, in Canada who can tell us some of the stuff that's going on there. Their lockdowns have been really difficult as well especially for coming across the border. I mean, very, very difficult. They're not, I mean, we, it's way more strict to try to get into Canada than it's the United States at the moment. Let that sink in uh, with our border, with our Southern border crisis. You go to, you go to the North and it is way more draconian. So according to Justin Trudeau, in order to get into Canada, you have to have a negative COVID test before you get on the plane to come into, to fly home. Then you have to go to a hotel at your own expense, and you have, to, you have to get a second negative test. And then you can go home and wait out your quarantine period. Now, you've tested negative twice, but you still have to quarantine for some odd reason. You still have to quarantine. Even though you're negative twice, you still have to quarantine. We quarantine healthy people, not sick ones, apparently. That's the standard. Now, if for whatever reason you test positive on that second test... You go to a government facility to be held until, I guess you're, you're clear. I don't know. I don't see a, like a time limit here. I, there has to be one. I just don't know what it is. But that is insane. Government facilities to hold these people. Um, what's wrong with a hotel room that you're already forcing people to use at their own expense? They're not allowed to go out in those hotel rooms. They have to stay in that room. But apparently have to go to a government facility. Who knew Canada was going to be the most draconian? That seems rather crazy. Um, and I know from some of my acquaintances online from Canada, they've, they've talked about the depression of um, not being able to go to Holy Mass. In fact, did you see, there was a story. Did, Emily, did you see the story of the, the Protestant pastor who kicked police out of his congregation yesterday no, in Canada? Yeah, apparently there were some people in that came in, some, I don't know what, what agencies they're from or whatever, but they came in to try to, you know, get after people about wearing masks and the pastor kicks them out, calls them Nazi fascists, has them removed from the building. <laughs> uh, strange and, and, and wild times. Um, of course, we, we heard about the story, uh, the attack on the Capitol Hill by a gentleman who rammed his car into the barricade attacked a police officer and, you know, attacked the police officers that are standing duty there, killing one of them before he himself was killed. Very tragic story there. You reported on this, right? No, I did not. Oh, you didn't? Um, no, and I, I'm going to be honest with you, Joe. I just heard about this very recently. I've kind of been, but nowhere near the amount of coverage from the last Capitol riot is what I've noticed. <laughs> yeah, definitely it's less. Now, I don't know the story of this guy. They did, uh, they did identify this person, and they said he was a part of the Nation of Islam. He was a big Louis Farrakhan uh, devotee. I don't, know, I don't know what this person's motivations were. I have no idea. I know he, they say he was unemployed. He was from Indiana. Obviously, something was going on in his life that uh, somehow motivated him, convinced him that this is something he needed to do. It's all very, very tragic. The officer who was killed in this was an 18-year veteran of the D.C. police, the Capitol Police. Uh, so it's a very tragic story. Um, 
But yeah, it's like this uh, lopsided approach to the news, right? I mean, I've ha- I've had to dig pretty deep this morning. I knew I heard this story over the weekend, but I like you, it was like Easter, Triduum and Easter, like we're not paying attention too much. So I just filed it, and this morning I had to go looking for it, and uh, I had to look quite a bit to find it. But I'm sure his family is completely upset, and I thought I saw a story this morning that said uh, his family cons- thought that he might have suffered some sort of head injury from football. I don't know. I have no idea. Again, I don't know what this person's motivations were or were not. It's just, it's tragic. We shouldn't be running, you know, driving cars into people under any circumstances. And um, another tragic loss of life, another tragic loss of a police officer in the line of duty. It just uh, kind of breaks my heart. But there is another crazy story out of Vermont. Apparently, Vermont offers vaccines for non-white people. So, so long as you're not Caucasian, you can get the vaccine no matter how old you are. If, however, you are Caucasian in the state of Vermont, you must be over 50 years old to get the vaccine. You know the crazy thing? I lived 10 years in New England, been to Vermont many times. Um, They're mostly Caucasian people there. I mean, like, by far, not even a close second... Caucasian. So essentially, they're, I guess they're not giving the vaccine out in the state of Vermont all that often, apparently. Very crazy. I, um, this is part of the woke culture that's absolutely insane. Now, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's because I'm, I happen to be a person of Caucasian, uh, of, of descent and color. Therefore, I can't see this thing properly. But it seems to me you give, uh, you, you give health treatment to people who need it in spite of the color and background uh, of their heritage. I don't know. I'm just saying, throwing that out there. It could be possibly there are some mitigating circumstances. Who knew? How do you feel, Emily, about all your personal data being stolen by Facebook? Um, I've been aware of it for a long time. I also use TikTok, so <laughs> I've is that also it at this very, point. Is that a very vulnerable platform as well? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, the CCP Catholic, I mean, the not the Chinese Communist Party owns all of my data already. And you're okay with that? Uh, I think it was inevitable for m- most of us who use social media. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Um, I remember when Facebook, Facebook first became a thing. Uh, you know, it, at that time, it was really only for college graduates, and then they extended it to high school uh, alums. You know, the idea was you were supposed to stay in contact with your college buddies. And then they extended it to high schools, and then it kind of grew from there, and here it is. Nobody at that time, I think, was ever considering the sort of the ramifications and consequences of what social media would come in our lives. And here we are. Lives are, are made and broken by this, by these platforms. Um. 500 million accounts hacked. Data includes phone numbers, full names, location, email addresses, and biographical information. Businessinsider.com is where I'm getting this information from this morning. So security researchers warned that the data could be used by hackers to impersonate people and commit fraud. That is rather insane. Um, Apparently, the exposed data includes personal information of over 533 million Facebook users from 106 countries, including over 32 million records on users in the United States, 11 million on users in the UK, and 6 million users in India. 
It includes their phone numbers, Facebook IDs, full names, locations, birth dates, bios, and in some cases, even email addresses. Makes you wish you hadn't given all that personal data to, to these platforms. And you know the crazy thing about Facebook in particular? Because I have spent uh, personal money advertising uh, for apostolate work uh, on that platform. It is the most advanced advertising platform in the history of mankind. And they let you have a data, access to user data, like how many kids you have, the kinds of products they use, the kinds of cars you drive, credit cards in your spending habits, your affiliations, religious, political, social, otherwise. Whether or not you've ever watched a video with no sound on for three seconds or more, I mean, <laughs> they have all they have everything on you that you can imagine. So does Google, by the way. They all have this information, and at first they they learned they could make billions of dollars off of ads with this. But then they also learned, as we saw with our Project Veritas report last week, was last week, right? Um, we had Project Veritas on. How, with the whistleblower or the actual undercover video of one of their major guys um, that they learned they could use this information to change the way you think and change the way you behave. Makes you want to get off social media completely. Speaking of crazy, we have seconds left before we go to break. This Gates story, this, uh, this crazy story about uh, whether or not he was involved in inappropriate sexual relations and or is being uh, blackmailed is absolutely mind-boggling. We may have to dive into that a little bit later this week to sort of get to figure out what's going on or what's not going on. There's so much crazy in the world. Let us pray, do fat acts of penance and, uh, and fasting. Still, I know it's feasting. We have a, an octave. We'll feast during the octave, but then we got to get right back to penance because there's so much going on in the world. But Brendan Hodge is going to be our guest from the pillar of the pandemic and the collection play taking a major pay cut, plus more breaking news and stories, and a ton more Catholic drive time still headed your way. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. How many times have you heard someone say that they don't like the Catholic Church because it's so dogmatic? Well, G.K. Chesterton says, You cannot live without dogmas. You cannot act for 24 hours without making a decision based on some deeply held belief that you cannot prove. Man can be defined as an animal that makes dogmas. Trees have no dogmas. Turnips are singularly broad-minded. In truth, there are only two kinds of people. Those who accept dogmas and know it, and those who accept dogmas and don't know it. So when someone objects to the Catholic Church for being too dogmatic, it only means that they are dogmatic against it, even though they have no idea what their own dogmas are. Want more than a minute? Visit us at chesterton.org. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Monday, April 5th, and these are your headlines for today. 
Arizona Governor Doug Ducey escalated a long-simmering fight with Phoenix Mayor Kate Gallego on Friday by demanding the city drop its plans to close parking lots and grills at city parks to limit the spread of COVID-19 on Easter weekend. The Republican governor said making it harder for people to use public parks would drive family gatherings indoors, where the risk of coronavirus transmission is higher. He announced that all state parks would be open and free on Easter. For weeks, Ducey has been withdrawing the restrictions he imposed to contain the spread of the virus. He drew scorn from local officials and hospital executives for his decision last week to end capacity limits at restaurants, open bars, and nightclubs. Catholic leaders are speaking out about the ongoing violence in Mozambique after a deadly massacre last week. Militants seized control of the northern Mozambique port town of Palma last weekend, following a multi-day attack. Hundreds of militants ambushed the town on March 24th, attacking shops, banks, and government buildings. They also attacked convoys trying to escape the town. Dozens of people were killed in the attack, according to local officials, including seven foreigners. Tens of thousands of locals have fled as a result of the insurgency. A militant group connected to the Islamic State has been blamed for the attack, which is part of a years-long conflict with Islamist extremist groups in the region. According to the BBC, more than 2,500 people were killed in the fighting since 2017, and 700,000 have been displaced. Cardinal Christian Uyghen Tumi, Cameroon's first cardinal and a dedicated advocate for peace in the country's Anglophone crisis, has died at the age of 90. Tumi had been active in seeking a peaceful resolution to Cameroon's violent Anglophone crisis. He dedicated much of the decade after his retirement as Archbishop of Douala to peace efforts and is credited with helping to create the Anglophone General Conference, a framework for dialogue between all parties to the conflict. The Cardinal made headlines last November when he was kidnapped by armed separatists in Cameroon's northwest region. In a video recorded by his captors, the Cardinal said, quote, I will preach what is the truth with pastoral conviction and biblical conviction. Nobody has the right to tell me to preach the contrary because I was called by God. I'm Emily Alcaraz and these are your Monday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, Emily. Uh, we're looking forward to having you back in the studio tomorrow. But, uh, d- dear listener, do us a favor and check out our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, where you can find the podcast version as well as all the links to our social platform. Uh, n- Additional information about our program, our sponsors like realestateforlife.org, connecting buyers and sellers of houses to provide a faith-based experience and uh, to support pro-life organizations like ourselves. So we're very grateful for their underwriting and sponsorship of this program. Realestateforlife.org is their website. Joining us right now, Brendan Hodge from The Pillar is on the program to talk about his article, The Pandemic and the Collection Plate. We'll be linking to it, of course. Good morning to you, Brendan. Good morning. Happy Easter. Happy Easter to you. Yeah, praise be to God. Christ is risen. Now, uh, this is a very interesting article. It seems it's one of the uh, sort of the fallout of the pandemic for sure that the collection plate has taken a massive hit. Tell us about the article that you've written. Yeah, so our goal here was to do some data journalism on a question which a a lot of people have been interested about, which is what is the effect of the pandemic on the church, but we didn't really have hard data on. Uh, I think people who work in parish life and 
understood this had had a significant impact. And then also there had been some talk from outside the church. So the Associated Press had run a couple of pieces which were so critical you could almost define them as hit pieces, which were complaining that Catholic parishes had taken a lot of loans from the Paycheck Protection Program and that the total of those loans was about $1.5 billion. And so they'd sort of run this Catholic Church, despite huge resources, takes $1.5 billion from Paycheck Protection Program piece. And we wanted to understand, I mean, parishes are thousands of individual organizations all over the country. They have employees. They receive income from donations every week. What was the real effect rather than just kind of running it a, a big high-level scare piece? And how did you go about uh, collecting the data? Where was Where were the sources? So the data was kind of hiding in plain sight. Uh, If you've been to parishes uh, and you pick up the Sunday Bulletin, you'll see that in most parishes, they put a statement of the parish collections in the bulletin each week. And a lot of parishes these days post their bulletins online on their website. Uh, Some just have the last couple bulletins, but a lot have a significant archive. So what we did is we put together a team and we downloaded bulletins from parishes we looked for parishes that had at least two years worth of bulletins so that we could look at full data for 2019 versus 2020. And we collected data from 100 parishes in 10 different dioceses around the country so we could get a representative sample of how things have gone all the way across the country in big parishes and small parishes. How did you, uh, what was, how did you choose the 10 dioceses that you did choose? What was the motivating factor behind that? So we really had two things. One is we wanted to cover very different types of dioceses. We wanted some rural dioceses and big city dioceses. We wanted dioceses in all parts of the country. And then we also specifically wanted dioceses that represented uh, aspects of the COVID pandemic, which had been in the news a lot. So we did include the New York Archdiocese, which, of course, New York was famously sort of the original ground zero. We also included a pair of dioceses because in terms of numbers of parishes, they were kind of small. So we included the Sioux Falls and Fargo Diocese from North and South Dakota. Those dioceses are right next to each other. They're fairly rural. And although it didn't make the news as much in terms of deaths per population, uh, North and South Dakota were hit very hard by the pandemic, though it was mostly in the summer and fall. So that was an area which had not been covered as much as in the news. We knew it had been hit very hard by the pandemic, but it's a very different sort of area. So we wanted to understand that. And then we just tried to cover the country as a whole. So we included Seattle, Chicago, uh, Orange County, California, uh, San Antonio, New Orleans, um, Miami, uh, the uh, couple of dioceses up in uh, New Hampshire, at Vermont and Maine, uh, and then uh, Columbus, Ohio, kind of right there in the, the middle of things. Now, Brendan, so you did note that while a lot of people were not able to give as much because of unemployment, some people stepped up and gave even more uh, in the collection plate. Do you think that this prevented the situation from being as bad as it could have been? I think it really did. And one of the things that surprised us is we expected this, honestly, to come back far worse than it was. So the, the overall results that we found were that uh, if across all of our parishes, we uh, ran from our, our smallest parish was uh, about $30,000 in collections in 2019. It was part of a parish cluster that shared a parish with uh it was shared a priest with several other parishes, and the largest parish had collections of nearly $3 million, so a really big parish in the Seattle area. So we had a, a huge range. 
Um, across all of those parishes, we found the collections dropped about 12% in 2020 versus 2019. And that was pretty consistent. 85% of parishes saw collections go down, but 15% actually saw collections go up. And uh, one, one of our, our, our diocese clusters, North and South Dakota, actually that set of 10 parishes on average was up about 3% versus the prior year. So there was a lot of variation. And one thing that really surprised us is that it didn't necessarily tie COVID. New York was not the worst diocese. Uh, one of our parishes that was up 16% year over year was actually the hardest hit. It was in the hardest hit county that we looked at in terms of deaths per population. It was a parish in the Fargo Diocese. Uh, they saw almost 4,000 deaths per million people, which is, is the worst of any county that we looked at. And they were up 16% year over year in collections. So there was, there was some correlation to things like unemployment, uh, but there was actually no correlation to how bad the pandemic was in the county. And I think part of what we see here is a testament to the fact that a lot of Catholics were very concerned to make sure that the work of their parish was continuing. And so one of the things that we heard as we did interviews to follow up with individual parishes is that in many cases, parishioners would come to them and say, I want to make sure that the work of the parish is not interrupted. I want to step up and, and cover for the people who maybe are not able to give right now. I know there were reports of also dramatic declines in in donations to um, other issues like Peter's Pence and Capital Campaign for Human Development. And some of that may be related to some of the scandals in, that those are embroiled with. But I, I'm, I, I know that overall donations are down and as well as attendance. And I know there's a big uh, there's a big. Like, hold your breath. Will people return to mass once things begin to regulate and the pandemic slows and eases and restrictions are lifted and people are allowed to go back? How did your report see that see that tied into? Uh, is there any projection here? Do you see uh, that these things are, are tied together and how they might fare in the future? So that's a really good question. Um, obviously, some things are really hard to measure from a distance, like mass attendance and, and what people's intentions are in terms of going back. I know that I've seen some polling data where uh, a lot of people say that they are uh, eager to become more involved in their parishes and, and to attend Catholic churches more once things go back to normal. But what people say their intentions are and what they actually do can be hard to tease apart. And polling data with Catholics is notoriously flaky. I mean, when you when you do polling on just basic doctrinal beliefs, uh, what people believe is not necessarily in line with what the Catholic Church teaches. I, I guess what I would say from kind of an objective point of view with this data that we looked at is that it shows that the effects of the pandemic are very much ongoing. Uh, the trend that we saw was that normally in a Catholic parish, you have kind of two high points during the year. One is the New Year's Christmas period, so the very beginning and ending of the year, and one is around Easter. So for a typical parish, you'd see a, a six to eight week lift, which is during uh, the latter part of Lent, Easter, and then the sort of period right after Easter. And you'd see a significant increase in donations as often their highest point in the year in terms of their collections. And in 2020, on average, Easter was actually the single worst week out of the year. So rather than having that increase that they normally had, they had sort of an inverse shape where it dipped for six to eight weeks. And if we think back, I mean, the lockdowns started in uh, the week of March 15th, and uh, they 
were kind of at their most severe during that Easter periods. And I think a lot of parishes were adjusting. One thing we noticed we noticed anecdotally as we were going through these bulletins is a lot of posts about we now have electronic giving available. Please sign up for electronic giving. You can drop your envelopes at the parish office. So parishes were clearly scrambling. And then we, we kind of reached a level off period. So about four weeks after Easter, things settled out to about 13% below the prior year, and they continued on trend. And so, for instance, at the end of the year, donations did lift, as they normally do, heading into the Christmas period. But they were lifting at a, a rate that was was still running 13% below the prior year. And even now, as, as we exited the year and we did a sample on a couple of parishes here in the beginning of the year, they're still running 12 Hold that thought, Brendan. I'm so sorry. We'll be right back after this very short break. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be on with you. Sorry about uh, that. We have a little technical glitch. They were supposed to go to break and... Anyway, we're right back. Brendan Hodge is our guest. Uh, the Pillar is uh, his organization. And the article that we're discussing today is the pandemic and the collection plate, uh, the, the massive hit that parishes took last year during, during the height of the pandemic, for sure. And I'm looking at this chart, Brendan, that you have in your article. We're linking to the article, by the way, so that you can find it. And where do we link to it? Generally speaking, a great place to find that is on our live video feed on Facebook. You can find it there, of course. We're also, uh, I think we might be posting links on YouTube as well. Search for Catholic Drive Time. Search for the Guadalupe Radio Network. Even the Station of the Cross, we're, we're streaming live there as well. At any rate, there's a chart here that sort of tracks 2019 and 2020. 19 is a red line. 20 is a blue line. And you can see that uh, Brendan was saying before the break uh, that the, the Easter giving was like the major time of the year. And it totally, 2020, there was like, it totally cut it out completely. Uh, I mean, it, it, it not only didn't happen, it actually took a major hit. And then when it did rise back, it rose only to what we might consider something more normal, even though that is less as well. So it was a pretty significant hit. Uh, are parishes able to recover from this loss, Brendan Hodge? So that's a really good question. A lot of parishes are looking at their staff and their programs and what they're doing. Uh, one of the things that we wanted to understand in context is a lot of dioceses encourage their parishes to apply for loans from the Paycheck Protection Program back in the spring. Um, and this is something that the Associated Press ran a couple articles on that were very critical, kind of saying, oh, you know, the Catholic Church is so rich. They own St. Peter's. They own the Sistine Chapel. How can they? <laughs> they own cemeteries that have big... Uh, endowments? Why aren't they taking money from there? Well, parishes, of course, are independent entities. Um, and the church sees each of these as a, a single community that's responsible for covering its own expenses. And so for a parish, if their donations go down, they would see staff laid off. So one thing that we did think was kind of interesting is the Associated Press had talked about uh, the total paycheck protection loans taken by the Catholic organizations being $1.5 billion. If you take the 100 parishes that we looked at, uh, the average parish had uh, annual donations of about $600,000. They saw their don donations go down by $70,000 in 2020. If you extend that out, there are 17,000 parishes in the U.S. That would be $1.2 billion. So I think for this year, parishes probably squeak through. 
some some were not able to cover it, but on average, uh, parishes were probably covered this year. But a lot is going to depend on whether people come back to church and are able to continue to support the church in the way that they did before. Otherwise, there are going to be parishes in some areas which are looking at cutting lay staff, cutting programs, or not being able to do basic maintenance. Now, Brendan, you pointed out in your article that um, parishes generally responded in two different ways to the pandemic. Um, can you explain what those two ways were? And were the, was there any correlation between the two responses from parishes and their collection plate amount? So one of the things that we did is we talked to a, a consultant who does work with parishes on things like capital campaigns. And he, he did describe kind of two different patterns that some parishes followed. One was uh, sort of the weighted out approach. And so this was some parishes uh, took the approach of sort of, well, the bishop has told us to lock down. Uh, we'll see you guys whenever things turn back on. And they kind of went dark. Hmm. Uh, and other parishes really threw themselves hard into trying to continue to support the Catholics in the parish. Uh, they, they would do uh, live stream video masses. They had parking lot masses. They invited people to come to outdoor confession and distribute communion outdoors to those who couldn't come to an outdoor mass. They did everything that they possibly could to p- keep people involved in the sacramental life of the parish and remain connected to them. Now, that, that sort of thing is very hard to measure from a data point of view, just from looking at the bulletin. So one of the things that restricted us is uh, we, we had a, a team of people who were sitting there pulling up PDFs and typing in numbers. And so we were doing this in a very metrics-driven kind of way. We can't measure which parishes were doing that and which weren't. But we did see that even in the hardest hit areas, you had parishes that did very well. And even in areas where there was not that much unemployment. The pandemic was not that bad. There were parishes that just dropped like crazy. So I, I think we are seeing a sense in which some parishes had a much closer and more supportive relationship with their people than others than others did. And I have to think that part of what's going on there is this uh, um, sort of keep warm and well-fed uh, approach versus the uh, we are here with you approach. Now, earlier you talked about uh, a parish that actually had an increase during this time. Now, let's talk about that again. So do you know why that particular parish was increased, even though everybody, all these other parishes were losing money? They were gaining money. Why why do you think that was? So we, uh, we did see out of our sample of 100 15 parishes saw increases during the pandemic. Wow. Uh, And one whole diocese on average was up or pair of dioceses, the Fargo and Sioux Falls diocese. Uh, There are two things that from a data point of view, you could use to predict which parishes were up. So if you look at the parishes that uh, saw an increase in collections during the pandemic, those parishes, they started out uh, looking from an employment point of view, the same as parishes that did badly, but their unemployment did not get as bad. So they went up from 4% unemployment, which is what the country as a whole was at before the pandemic, to 12%, and then they dropped pretty quickly. So by June, they were down at 9%. By August, they were at 7 And so they recovered faster. If you look at the parishes that did that did see a reduction in collections, they spiked up to 15% unemployment. And by September, they were still at 10. So these were areas that had higher unemployment in the county as a whole. So there were probably Catholics in those parishes who felt less able to support the parish. 
another thing that we saw is parishes that had a really high concentration of Hispanic uh, people in the zip code uh, saw their donations go down more. And what we think might be going on there is that in er those communities are probably a lot of the people who are going to the parish. So it may be that in those cases where you have a lot of people who are more recent immigrants, that uh, the people who are attending the parish are more vulnerable to unemployment than the population of that county as a whole. And so the county might look like it's an unemployment didn't go up that much, but for the people actually attending the parish, they could feel either harder hit or like they were a lot more likely to lose their jobs. So those were the two things from a data point of view. There was a little bit of a correlation also to sort of more rural areas, but it wasn't something that we could prove statistically. That was going to be my follow-up question of the 15 parishes that did see increases um, and they were recovering faster. Where were they? Where were they located? Are you saying they were, were they all in rural areas or no? No, they were not all in rural areas. We actually saw uh, one example was in New York City, oh, uh, wow. surprising as that might seem. And we had, uh, we had some in other big city areas. Uh, New Orleans had several parishes that had gone up despite being right in the core of the city. Uh, Miami had a couple of parishes that did well. So there were some big city parishes that did well, uh, and there were a number of rural parishes. So that didn't turn out to be a predictive factor. I'd say there was a slightly disproportionate number, but part of that is that our one diocese that did really well was Fargo and Sioux Falls. And so those two were pretty rural dioceses. How long do you think it's going to take for the economy to recover from this economic damage? So we've seen that for the country as a whole, unemployment is now down to 6%, which is, I mean, a, a number that we thought of as being pretty good five or six years ago. Uh, it's not as low as it was going into the pandemic, but sort of the absolute numbers are well, but I think people are still feeling like the economy and the country as a whole is kind of in a tenuous place. So I think some of that is when do people think that things are coming back to normal as well as just what the numbers show. Brendan Hodge now, Brendan, is our what guest. What would you say, because this is something that has affected, is continuing to affect um so many families in our country and around the world, so many families are still struggling financially. What would you say to families who want to help the church um, recover from this economic devastation, but are kind of in a tight spot themselves? So I, I think parishes always talk about kind of the time, treasure, and talent aspects of this. And as parishes begin to reopen and try to resume normal activities, one of the things that they're going to need most of all is people who can be actively involved, at, whether it's in liturgy, in charitable work, in the school, all the different things that are involved in a parish. And so I, I would hope that as we're coming back together as a physical community and spending time together face-to-face, -face, that would be one of the things that would help people both recover a sense of community in the parish and also give in ways that are not strictly dollars. Brendan Hodge is our guest, and we're just about to wrap up here. The Pillar is his organization. The article is called The Pandemic and the Collection Plate, which we have linked to. Um, final thoughts, Brendan. Where do we go from here? How do we see 2021? Is uh, 2021 going to be more hopeful for these parishes? I think 2021 is a chance for things to to start over for a lot of people. I, I think that some parishes that stepped up and saw the chance to help people who are in need and, and increase their collections can continue down that path of serving the communities more. And other parishes are going to be seeking to get back to normal. I think all of us are going to be called to figure out how to get back to a more productive uh, community as we come out of this period where a lot of people have spent their time in isolation. All right. 
Brendan Hodge, thank you for your time this morning. We're very grateful to you. God love you. Thank you. All right. Happy Easter to you. Merry Christmas. And uh, I actually, I wanted to say Christmas. I don't even know why I <laughs> Happy Easter. There. Happy Easter. Have a great day. Christ is risen. I think I was starting down the litany of all uh, Christian holidays there for some odd reason. That's funny. <laughs> Brendan, God bless you. Have a great day. That is going to do it for the first hour of Catholic Drive Time. Uh, holiday litanies uh, aside, we have a great hour lined up for you next hour. If you are at all able to join us, we certainly would love to have you. You can find the links to our social streams on our website, GRN. Online.com forward slash CDT. Breaking news and stories, Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, plus our Fear and Trembling Game Show is back this week with a new prize. And you could win. All you have to do is be the contestant. All of the rules and information is posted to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Plus, an after show is coming up in the next hour as well. And guess what? This whole week, we're going to have a whole a list of incredible guests for you. I'm very excited. So stick around. A ton of Catholic Drive Time is headed your way this week. If you're not able to join us in the next hour, we will see you back here bright and early, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, keeping you informed and inspired. Catholic Drive Time. We'll be right back. God love you and God bless you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. I have a friend who says that baptism is a symbolic act and that it has nothing to do with salvation. How can I answer him? Simple. Show him what the Bible says. Nowhere does the Bible say that baptism is merely a symbolic act. That passage simply does not exist. But the Bible does say this about baptism. In Ezekiel 36, verses 25 to 27, it says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will put my spirit within you. Here in the Old Testament, we have a foreshadowing of New Testament baptism. In the New Testament, Acts 2, verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. No symbolic language here. The book of Acts says, Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Ezekiel says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from your uncleannesses. The book of Acts says, And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel says, And I will put my spirit within you. Do you begin to see how God in the Old Covenant was preparing us for what He gives us in the New Covenant? Acts twenty-two sixteen. And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. What body was that? The body of Christ. 1 Peter 3, 21. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Scripture simply does not support the non-Catholic notion that baptism is symbolic. Scripture does, however, very clearly and directly support the Catholic teaching that baptism saves us, that baptism makes us members of the body of Christ, that baptism washes away sin, and that through baptism we receive the Holy Spirit just as the Church teaches. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.
Catholic radio was there for me when I needed it. Even though I didn't think I needed it, it was there for me. I want everybody to know that I'm giving, not so that I can sit there and say that I gave to GRN for any other reason but this. I want that radio station to be there for anyone else who needs it also. They may not think they need it, but it's going to be there for them, whether it's in the future, whether it's right now. I want that radio station to always be there for them, just like it was there for me. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Christ is risen. Truly, He is risen. Happy Easter to you. We're going to have a great hour lined up this hour. Praise be to God. We just finished a conversation with Brendan Hodge from the Pillar about the impact of the pandemic on the collection plate at parishes. We'll post the link to that interview later today, or actually we'll post it on YouTube and... and uh, I guess Rumble and on Facebook. I wonder, does dear audience, are you? Do you watch anything on Rumble? Do you ever have you ever been to Rumble? Does anybody spend time on Rumble? I'm just curious. <laughs> we need to find another backup site. I think I'm not sure Rumble's the answer. Uh, there's hardly anybody there now. There is a new site coming out called Frank Talk. It's about to be launched. Frank. It's supposed to be a combination of Twitter and YouTube, and I'm told that there's going to be a lot of uh, influencers going to that site. So we'll see. Hmm. Who knows these days? But this hour, we're going to have breaking news and stories, saint of the day, gospel of the day, a fear and trembling game show with new prizes involved. Good morning, Emily Alcaraz. Good morning. Yeah, I'm excited for this week's show. And I'm, I'm not sure about Rumble. It seems like peer pressure is not working with people just leaving Twitter and going there. Rumble? It hasn't I mean, worked yet. Well, there's Gab. Gab also has like a video side, but it's, I don't know, it's also kind of complicated. It's, there's never, it seems to me, and Adrian can chime in here. Good morning. Uh, speaking of chiming in, Adrian Fonseca's on the ones and twos. Uh, he's been awfully silent today. Good his, morning. His good morning. Brain has been distracted this morning, so it's time to put him in the game. Uh, Rumble, you have ten seconds. What are your thoughts? Uh, okay, so I've been trying to test out Rumble for our show, and there's just not a lot of traction there. The most popular videos there are like wouldn't even make the top hundred on YouTube. So <laughs> I, it's it's really not it's not a great sad. platform. It's very sad. It's very badly laid out as well. And if we get deplatformed on you on YouTube, what will we what will we do? Well, I'm not sure Rumble's the answer. We'll have to find another solution. Maybe Frank. I don't know. Who knows? We'll see how it goes when it launches. There are others. BitChute. But BitChute's like the Wild West. It's crazy. All right. Plus, we have uh, an after show program. And I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of talk about the the television series Chosen. I may just upset this entire audience if I tell you how I feel about that show. Maybe we'll talk about that on the after show. I know there's a lot of people who love the program. I don't know. We'll have to talk about it in the after show, possibly. But the after show is where you, my dear listener, get to drive the conversation. That'll happen in the second half of this hour on our live video streams. All right, let's pray. Whatever your intentions are, we're going to ask Our Lady Queen of Heaven to intercede for you. 
as well as for our own intentions. We're very glad to be on with you this hour. We're going to have a, a wonderful time together, but let's ask Our Lady to pray for all of us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Emily Alcaraz. 5,000 people turned out for Saturday's pro-life car rally in the Dominican Republic, organized by their son Victor Masayas of the Diocese of Bani. Masayas said the captains of the rally were joined by evangelical communities who bumped up their numbers. He was pleased also that all the Dominican Republic's news organizations had reported on the rally and its pint-sized opposition. LifeSite News raised the money, half the money needed to plan and execute the car rally. Bishop Masales said, quote, it was awesome because we were not expecting 5,000 people. There was a lot of pressure from abortion groups, but now their policies are out. The discussion is going to be without abortion. This rally was a success. The threat of fines and possible imprisonment did not deter over 70 Christian churches in Canada from defying COVID lockdowns and holding religious services on Good Friday and Easter Sunday. The churches vowed to open for Easter services, to stand together in unity, and to oppose further lockdowns. All churches involved have signed on to the Liberty Coalition Canada's We Will Gather Easter 2021 initiative, which represents eight Canadian provinces. In some provinces, such as British Columbia, indoor church services are banned outright due to COVID-related health rules, with the rest of the provinces enacting severe limits on church attendance size. One of the churches that signed on to the initiative is Grace Life Church in Alberta. Grace Life's pastor, James Coates, was jailed for over a month for defying COVID-related orders in Alberta. After his release from jail, Coates went straight back to preaching, despite police trying to enter his church on Sunday. In his Urbi et Orbi blessing on April 4th, the Pope said, The witnesses of Christ's resurrection report an important detail. The risen Jesus bears the marks of the wounds in his hands, feet, and side. The Holy Father said, quote, These wounds are the everlasting seal of his love for us. All those who experience a painful trial in body or spirit can find refuge in these wounds and through them receive the grace of the hope that does not disappoint. Pope Francis gave the Easter Orbi at Orbi message and blessing from the altar of the chair in St. Peter's Basilica, where he had offered Easter Sunday Mass with a congregation of around 200 people. In the blessing, Pope Francis also noted that, once again, this year, in various places, many Christians have celebrated Easter under severe restrictions and at times without being able to attend liturgical celebrations. We pray that those restrictions, as well as all restrictions on freedom of worship and religion worldwide, may be lifted and everyone be allowed to pray and praise God freely. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Monday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. St. Vincent Ferrer, pray for us. He was born on the 23rd of January 1350 in Valencia in Spain. 
He was the fourth child of the Anglo-Scottish nobleman William Stuart Ferrer and his Spanish wife, Constantia Miguel. His father is reported to have had a prophetic dream in which he was told that Vincent would become the world-famous Dominican friar. The boy joined the Dominicans in 1367, received his doctorate of theology, was ordained to the priesthood, became a missionary, and taught theology. He was also an advisor to the King of Aragon. But during a severe fever in 1398, Vincent had a vision of Christ, of St. Dominic de Guzman, and St. Francis of Assisi. It was a life-changing experience. Vincent received supernatural gifts and became the messenger of penance, the angel of the apocalypse, sent to prepare humankind for the judgment of Christ. He became a great preacher who converted thousands in Spain, France, Italy, Germany, the Netherlands, England, Scotland, and Ireland, and beyond. He, in, invited, he was invited to preach in Muslim Granada and had to be kicked out because of the many converts he was making. He became a counselor to Pope Benedict XIII. He traveled throughout Europe and, uh, to try to end the Western Schism. He slept on the floor. He had the gift of tongues. Although he only ever spoke Spanish, everyone could understand him. And no matter how loud or soft he spoke, the crowds, the massive crowds that gathered for him, could all hear him and understand him perfectly. He fasted every single day. He celebrated the Holy Mass and was known as a great miracle worker. I mean, literally 65,000 miracles were attributed to his life. He even brought a person back from the dead for the sole purpose of witnessing to the crowds that St. Vincent Ferrer was, in fact, the angel of the apocalypse. He would pray in front of whole, uh, in front of hospitals and just in for standing in front of the building, and, and many, many people were cured inside. He worked so hard to build up the church that he became the patron of people in building trades. He died on the 5th of April, 1419, in Brittany. He was canonized on June 3rd, 1455, by Pope Callistus III. And at that canonization, they read the stories of some 800 of his many miracles out loud. St. Vincent Ferrer, pray for us. The Gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 28, verses 8 through 15. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went quickly from the tomb, fearful yet overjoyed, and ran to announce the news to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them on their way and greeted them. They approached, embraced his feet, and did him homage. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. While they were going, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had happened. The chief priests assembled with the elders and took counsel. Then they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, telling them, You are to say, His disciples came by night and stole him while we were asleep. And if this gets to the ears of the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. The soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has circulated among the Jews to the present day. The Gospel of the Lord. Christ is risen. Truly he is risen. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Uh, Adrian Fonseca, there's uh, a lot of nuggets here. I, I kind of wish 
that instead of starting in verse 8, which this gospel passage does, I wish it would kind of back up and give us the the account of Mary Magdalene and the other Mary being at the tomb, encountering the angel, you know, and, and finding the, the face cloth being, you know, still there and off to the side. I found that detail incredible, and, uh, and they seem to skip past that and start at verse 8. I don't know how you felt about that. Well, I think they uh, that's read yesterday, so I think that's why they did that. But it's that. Monday. It's a whole uh, new day. Let's start over. <laughs> but uh, no, I think there's plenty here to talk about. For instance, Cornelius Alapide has this whole section on just the line, there they shall see me. And then he expounds upon that one line for like good like five pages. So I think there's plenty <laughs> here for uh, for to exposit upon. Uh, one thing that I wanted to t- point out as a something that can be taken away, something positive, and then I want to give out a fun fact about what's going on here. Uh, one, the positive thing to take away from this is a knock, and you shall uh, knock, and you shall uh, be the door shall be opened unto you. So the women uh, who were faithful came to see the Lord, and because they sought to see the Lord, uh, our Lord made himself made himself manifest to them. So this is a very important principle of uh, the Christian life. Whenever you seek the Lord, He will manifest Himself to you. It is through the faithfulness of these women that the curse of the woman Eve. My, is removed. Uh, so it's through these women. Now, the fun fact is, uh, according to Lapide, when he's expounding upon there they shall see me, he talks about the, what order is it that our Lord appears to people out at, after the resurrection. He said primarily, which is not recorded in scripture, he appears first to his mother. Now, this is mind blowing to a lot of people because uh, you don't even, you know, it's not in scripture and people don't know that. But St. Ambrose and St. Anselm and many other fathers taught that Our Lady was the first one to see. And it makes sense that um, if I was like resurrected from the dead, the first person I would want to see is my mom, right? Uh, secondly, he appeared to Mary Magdalene at the sepulcher. Then, thirdly, he appeared to the other women when they, were, they returned to Jerusalem. Fourthly, he appeared to Peter himself at Luke 24. Fifth, he re- he appeared to the disciples on Emmaus, Luke 24 later on. And then sixthly, to the apostles, minus Thomas and minus Judas. Uh, and then on to all the apostles. And then this is where it gets important. And this is why I wanted to bring this up is he appears to everyone. Uh, well, of course he goes to the, he appears to the Galilee, but after that he appears to the, on the mountain in Galilee to hundreds, more than 500 people that's recorded in Matthew 28. And fourthly, he appears to James, then the other apostles again. And then he appears at the Mount of Olives where he ascends into heaven, uh, when all people see him. So it, it, it's not just like a couple people see Jesus. It's just the apostles. It's just the women. Hundreds and hundreds of people see him uh, at Mount of Olives, at the mountain and Galilee. And so this is very important to note that our Lord uh, is fulfilled his promise that there they shall see me. Besides that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? I mean, you know what I mean? Like there's tons of evidence for those who have eyes to see will see it. But those who don't, they're going to reject it anyway. Let's pray for those that reject Christ like the elders of the church did. They double down. Those people, good grief. Let's pray for the conversion of all sinners all over the planet, that they will receive uh, enough of the prevenient graces to come to a ripe and full harvest and spend eternity in the beatific vision. All right, we are going to go to a break. We're going to come back with Fear and Trembling, our Catholic trivia game show, where we we have a little bit of an agenda, but prizes are involved, so we get to give stuff away. That's kind of cool. And we have a new prize this week, a new opportunity, and you could be the contestant. All you have to do is call right now, 
877-757-9424. You don't even need to know the answers. 877-757-9424-877-757-9424. We'll be right back. Blessed John Paul II once said, As the family goes, so goes the nation, and so goes the whole world in which we live. How easy it is to point fingers and place blame for the mess in which our society has found itself. But stop just for a minute and ask, what have I done to make it better? Is my family doing anything to improve the world? Possibly the most effective thing a family can do for society is pray together regularly. Pray for our president every single day. Pray for all our government leaders, our bishops and priests, our teachers, our military, our business owners. Create a list of family petitions. If the teenager puts an anonymous prayer request on the list, let it be anonymous. Prayer is our greatest weapon to change the nation and the world. Remember what Father Patrick Payton said, the family that prays together stays together. This has been a minute for your marriage and family with Balanced Families Ministries. So many of us carry such heavy burdens. She's having a relationship with George. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. Deep within, we struggle because sin separates us from God. But thanks to the grace of confession, God compassionately listens, forgives, and sets us free. So if it's been a while since you've been to confession or mass, come home and experience a fresh start. Visit catholicscomehome.org. Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. Just search the App Store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening! Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Fear and Trembling. The phone number to call to be a contestant to possibly win some cool prizes this week is 877-757-9424. If you've never played before, well, why not make today that opportunity? Or if it's been at least a month since you played, well, today is a new opportunity. 877-757-9424, All right, so here is the deal. If you're just joining us and you're like, what in the world is going on? Well, praise be to God. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Happy Easter. And uh, we have a new opportunity for you. So we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please keep this amongst ourselves. Don't tell anybody this. But uh, in Fear and Trembling, we have three Catholic trivia questions. And I don't ask the contestant. I ask Emily. I ask Adrian. One of them will have a right answer, and the other will be wrong. The caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to decide who's right, who's wrong. And then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence. But here's our agenda in all of this. And again, please don't, don't share this publicly. 
but we want to teach a little bit about the faith. So it's a teachable moment. So that's why the caller doesn't even need to know the answers to still get them right and still get in on the action. It's kind of cool. We have a laugh in the process, and we give out very cool prizes. Emily, what are we going to win this week? This week, our sponsor is WorthyofAgape.com. So Worthy of Agape is a shop that was started by Amanda, who's a Catholic mom, and uh, her and her husband were focused missionaries. And they do, they, she is an artist who creates these traditional Japanese dolls, peg dolls, and she's made them for just about every saint. So our winner this week is going to win the custom saint of their choice in from worthyofagape.com. How cool is that? Praise be to God. Now, I know my wife and kids, my, especially my daughters have made, uh, made peg dolls for our ladies apparitions and we have like a whole collection of them. So they're super cool. So uh, we're very grateful to uh, to our sponsor this week, worthyofagape.com. We'll post a link to them as well, and we'll put them on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Thank you to those who try to call in to be our contestants, but let's go to the phones. And good morning to you. Thank you for calling in to Fear and Trembling. Good morning. Thank Pra- you for having me. Praise be to God, Ann. Where are you calling from? Houston, Texas. Houston, Texas. All right. Uh, what is it? Midsummer already here in Houston? I mean, it's like, what, 80 degrees out already? It's like not even 7 o'clock in the morning. It's crazy. Well, we've been here for a while, so we're so used to it. <laughs> now, uh, happy Easter to you, Anne. Where did you go to uh, Easter Mass? Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Well, praise be to God for that. All right, and are you familiar with the show? Do you know how the game is played? Yes, I do. So you know, you are you Adrian and Emily, they could trick you. You have to pay attention. Yes, I have to pay attention. I however am on your side, Anne, just so you know, just so you know. All right. Here we go, Emily, we will start with you as is our custom. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you sure? I'm sure. Are you sure? Absolutely. Here we go. Emily, can you tell me, on account of the sin of Adam, we came, we, all of us, came into the world with which sin upon our souls? Uh, The sin of betrayal. Are you sure? The sin of betrayal. Okay, let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, Adrian, can you tell me, on account of the sin of Adam... You and I, all of us, came into the world with which sin upon our souls? Uh, That would be original sin. Original sin. All right. Mm -hmm. So Adrian is on the hook for original sin. Emily is on the hook for betrayal. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? And what say you? I'm going to go with Adrian. Survey says the original sin. Congratulations, Ann. You didn't fall for that. You were very good. Now, a pop quiz, Adrian. Uh, who, which, which two people were born without original sin? Uh, well, there were more than two. It would be Adam, Eve, uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary, and Jesus. Okay. Yes, you are right. Uh, also, uh, didn't Saint Joseph get healed from original sin while he was in utero? Yes, but he still had original sin. Okay. Well, there you go. Praise be to God. And congratulations, you are in the coffee cup of divine providence uh, for one try. We have two more tries, and I want to say it gets a little easier from here. How do you feel, Ann? 
I feel great. Thank you. Praise be to God. All right, Adrian, we'll go with you this time. Adrian, can you tell me, who was the first person to use the term Catholic to describe the Roman Catholic Church? Uh, Let's see. That would be St. Ignatius of Antioch. Wow. Okay. Okay. Let's see what Emily has to say here. Emily, can you tell me, who was the first person to apply the term Catholic to the Christian church? Must have been someone early on, so I'm going to go with Paul the Apostle. Paul the Apostle. Are you sure? Hmm. Okay. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Let's just see. Uh, Emily is on the hook for Paul the Apostle. Adrian is on the hook for St. Ignatius of Antioch. We should say St. Paul the Apostle, shouldn't we? I think we should. So Emily's on for St. Paul. Adrian's on for Ignatius of Antioch. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? And what say you? I'm going to go with Adrian. Survey says. Congratulations. Now, Ann, did you know that or were you guessing? I'm going to go with Adrian. He's been really good this morning, and he hasn't uh, given that uh, crazy answer yet. <laughs> oh, so that's his tell sign is what you're saying. <laughs> oh, man. You're saying Adrian should not play poker anytime soon. I got you. I got you. Well, uh, very good. You were correct, of course. Uh, it is St. Ignatius of Antioch. 110 A.D., in his letter to the Samaritans, while on his way to be eaten by lions, he used the term Catholic to describe the church. Praise be to God in all things. All right. Third question. And this one, I'm going to warn you right up front, this one could be tricky. So let's just see how it goes. Emily, we're back to you this time. Emily, can you tell me, what is the Latin term for the special veneration accorded the Blessed Virgin Mary. What is the Latin term we use to describe the special veneration that we give to her and to her alone? This is a great question. We should actually talk about this more often, but the word is called hyperdulia. Hyperdulia. Sounds fancy. Let's see what uh, let's see what Adrian has to say here. Adrian, can you tell me what is the Latin term for the very special veneration accorded to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Huh. I think Emily's trying to confuse us, and I'm going to go with Proto-Dulia. Proto-Dulia. Yes, Proto-Dulia. Hmm. Okay, okay. So Adrian is on the hook for Proto-Dulia, and Emily is on the hook for Hyper-Dulia. I would like to own a dually. Wait, that's not even close to being the same thing. All right, Adrian, Proto, Emily, Hyper, 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Anne, what say you? Oh, my gut says to go with Emily, but I've been sticking sticking out with Adrian, so I'm going to continue with Adrian. Survey says, I'm so sorry, Anne. He threw Ouch. a curveball. I, oh, I'm sorry, Ann. I, but in my defense, I did warn you ahead of time that they, they would trick you. They would try to. Protodulia is the uh, is the uh, worship or the honor we give to Saint Joseph, and Hyperdulia is the highest honor which is given to Our Lady. 
And Dulia, we give Dulia to whom? The Saints. The Saints. So our lady is special. She is special. Now, what do we give to God? Latria. Latria. So that's the distinctions we can make when uh, non-Catholics ask us if we worship, worship Mary. We say no, because in official teaching, we give Latria to God, Hyperdulia to Our Lady, Protodulia to Joseph, and Dulia to the saints. So there is distinctions. Well, praise be to God. Sounding more and more Thomas every day. All right, time to move on. Time to move on. A- uh, A- Anne, two times on the coffee yeah. cup of divine providence. You did pretty good. Praise be to God. I thought it was supposed to get easier. <laughs> what? You, you didn't think they were easier at the end there? I, I was pretty sure that was... Uh, no! no? It, so, got, uh, it was harder and it was more <laughs> difficult. The, the level of difficulty increased instead of decreased. <laughs> I didn't notice. I'm so sorry, Ann. <laughs> But you did great. You're in for two. So praise be to God. If it be God's will, your name will be pulled out of the coffee cup of divine providence this Friday. We're very excited for you. And don't go anywhere. We'll put you on hold so we can get your phone number just in case you are the winner. But God love you. Happy Easter to you, Ann. Thank you very much. You too. All right, that's going to do it for the radio side of our show. The Mass will begin in a moment. Please keep us in your prayers. If you can join us for the after show, you, my dear listener, get to drive the conversation, whatever you want to discuss. We will jump into that. You can watch that on either a Facebook, a YouTube, or a Twitter live video stream. You can find the links to all of those on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt, grnonline.com dot com forward slash cdt join us on the video chat we would love to chat with you in the after show until then may god richly bless you thank you for joining us on your catholic drive time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired join us monday through friday at the same time right here on your favorite catholic radio station don't forget to connect with us just go to facebook.com forward slash catholic drive time again that's facebook.com forward slash catholic drive time be sure to share more than just us today share jesus with everyone you meet bye now and god love you Praise be to Jesus Christ. Christ is risen. Truly, he is risen. Welcome to the after show, where we conversate a little more casually about everything in the program. Whatever you want to discuss is what's on the agenda. So please, if you're hanging out with us, comment. Let us know where you're from. Let us know what's on your mind. We'd like to uh, chat with you about that. Of course, Emily's here from the Windy City again. Good morning to you. Good morning. I'm here. <laughs> well, we're looking forward to having you back in the studio tomorrow there, Emily. Yeah, and I'm I'm just so happy. Easter was so beautiful to be back at home. It was just so uplifting and so hopeful. And it was really great to see also all the new converts entering the church. Yeah, so remind me again, you went to vigil? Yeah, I went to the Easter vigil. Okay, mm-hmm. so what time did that end? Well, we had to get there early because my... Three of my brothers are acolytes, altar servers. Oh wow! And so we got we were there from five until around midnight. Oh wow! Uh, Adrian is the only only real hardcore guy in the room then, because he because then they they ended like at two in the morning and then they went to party. Like that's insane. <laughs> are you kidding? I'm like an old man now. By seven thirty, I'm ready for bed. 
Um, we went Sunday morning, of course, and it was beautiful. We had to get there. We 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 have to get there pretty early, though. The place is uh, rather full, and that's a good thing. Praise be to God. Let's uh, uh, so again, if you're hanging out with us this morning, whatever you want to talk about, we can talk about all kinds of things. I saw earlier there were some conversations about the Chosen television series. I may have a contrary opinion that may upset a lot of folks. Uh, I don't mean to upset a lot of folks, but I do have an opinion, as you've probably come to recognize. I have opinions. Uh, let's see. Valentine, good morning. Praise be to God. Eric, praise be to God. Good morning to you. Myra, it's good to see you. Praise be to God. Jesus Morano, uh, good morning. Christopher Velasquez, good morning. Monica Cortez, good morning. Angelo Bustamante, good morning. Susan. Uh, praise be to God. Susan, you're from Massachusetts, if I recall correctly. It's good to see you, Susan. Oh, by the way, that reminds me, uh, yesterday after Mass, I met Mr. Thomas Russell. Remember, he was a contestant oh. on our show? Yeah, I know Thomas. He's a friend. Yeah, he so did come on our show. I, you know, I, I remember I took, I was calling him by his last name the whole show, like the whole time he was our contestant. I felt bad because I had met him before, but I didn't, you know, I don't connect the dots always. I'm slow. So, uh, so I didn't connect those dots, and the poor fella, I was calling him uh, Russell instead of Thomas. I felt bad. I had to apologize. He didn't mind at all. <laughs> He's a very good man. Served our country in the Marine Corps. Great family. So um, it, was very, it was very nice to see him, of course, and, and so many others. Praise be to God. Who's on from Facebook side? See, I saw Jesus Robles was here. He was um, hyping up Adrian's answers. Christopher Chance, of course. He wrote a, a litany of Catholic feast days for you. Jeff. That was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> what? Which part? That Jesus was singing your praises, or that Christopher wrote a litany? Yes. Oh. Oh. Yeah. yeah exactly. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> uh, his uh, his litany was really cool. I we'll have to read it. And yes. then he also uh, put out a timeline that I was giving of uh, Jesus appearing to the two different people, and he set them all out uh, in number form. So pretty cool. Thank you very much, Chris. That that's pretty pretty awesome. Glenn, good morning to you. Glenn Trahan, Valerie, good morning to you. Thank you for being on our program today. Of course, Patty was here. She always goes to Holy Mass, though, uh, in this hour. Uh, uh, so we're very glad, glad that she was on with us this morning. Praise be to God. Of course, uh, Sean, our, our colleague and friend from South and Central Texas, good morning to you. And, uh, and as we said, Christopher Chance, who who wrote a litany on our behalf, on my behalf, because I totally threw Christmas in there for some odd reason. Praise be to God. Merry Christmas. Happy Fourth of July. Yes. I was like, I almost said Kwanzaa, I think. I don't know. It was so close. I, I, was, I was like exceeding the bounds of Christianity. All of a sudden, it was just weird. Uh, but by the grace, uh, I stopped very quickly. Thank you, Lord, for that. Um, who else is on the Facebook side? Lori, good morning to you. It's always good to see you, Lori. Praise be to God. Uh, Luz, thank you for hanging out with us this morning. Luz suggested that we contact Ken Yazensky um, from Canada to talk about that. And that's funny because uh, I, last week was the hashtag seven sorrows challenge. Raise your hands. How many people prayed it? Okay. Uh, I actually was watching Ken's video on Seven Sorrows Rosary, so I kept. It's very good. It's it's very well. It's but it's it's he's very soft spoken. Him and his wife, his lovely wife, and I was like wanting to go to sleep, but it was beautiful, very meditative. Thank you, Ken. So maybe we'll reach out to him, get him on. Um, let's see who else is on here. Who else? Who we else? We have Valerie on Facebook. Good morning, Valerie. Praise be to God, Joaquin. We see you, Joaquin. Thanks for hanging out. Gloria Diaz, uh, Dion, Gloria Dion 
Lopez, good morning. Praise be to God. I feel like, I don't know about you guys. Do you feel like, I feel like I got a lot of cobwebs to work out today. Well, I was, it was a huge, uh, Easter is like the biggest holiday of the year. So we had a huge party at my house. My whole family was over, my cousins. Uh, it was really nice to see everybody. And uh, we had fajitas, brisket, uh, lamb chops, lamb ribs. I don't remember ribs. getting the invitation. Uh, it, yeah, I, it, was, it I, got I lost. It must have hmm, got lost in the mail. Hmm. It, it, that must be what hmm. it was. And uh, we partied until like way too late at night. Like it was 1999? Well, for me, it was very late. It was, so for 99, probably really late as well. Do you even know that song? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, comment in the comment box if you've heard the song, Party Like It's 1999. So, yes, a lot of cobwebs. I think I need uh, more sleep. The uh, we I was I went to bed at like 9 o'clock, and I, I could still hear people downstairs like, y'all need to chill. I'm going to bed. So <laughs> It's a good thing you don't live in an apartment complex. Uh, your neighbors would be pretty upset at you. Praise be to God. Um, Eric Rodriguez. Alaric, good morning. Happy Easter. Praise be to God. Eric said he's, he's raising his hand. He prayed the Seven Sorrows Challenge. That's awesome. Lori said Prince. Prince. Is that, is that who it was? Yes. Yeah, I have no idea. I'd never heard a single Prince song. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. I don't listen to Degenerates. <laughs> oh. Wow. Okay. So who do you listen to then? Uh, just uh, the Mormon uh, Tabernacle Choir. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> speaking of degenerates, <laughs> the um, mostly uh, the Institute of Christ the Kings chant and the Fraternity uh, Saint Peter's chant. Okay, that's mm-hmm. all. Huh? Mm-hmm. That's it. That's you it. got nothing, nothing else to else. offer. No, I'm sure. A- absolutely, absolutely nothing else at all. I don't know. I actually hates musicals. Oh, Jesus okay. is my friend. Tell me all about it. Tell me all about it. I listen to nothing else. No, nothing, nothing except for chant. Nothing you know, at I, all. I have a bone to pick with you, Adrian Fonseca. Uh-oh. Uh, the other morning, the other day, I was working on my, my car. I had a lot of car work to do over the weekend. I came on, I come back into the house, and, and what's blaring? Jesus is a friend of mine? No. Thankfully. Oh, you darn. Jesus. That song. That song will infect your mind. You'll never get it out. Was it the alpaca song? No, thankfully. Darn, what is it? Uh, Hillbilly Thomas. Oh. No. Uh, no. You, know what, you know what's crazy about I keep looking. I keep having to look around the light ball that we have on our counter. And Emily's not standing there. She's in Chicago. I forgot. Uh, you know, this whole sea shanty thing. My five-year-old, every, we're, like, we're leaving Mass yesterday. Going, you know, and they're chanting. They're making up songs to the uh, Wellerman tune. My five-year-old. Well, I didn't show it to your kids. Adrian Fonseca is completely responsible for this level of... Just for the record, said, to I did word, not de- show de- his generation. All I did was show Joe, and it's not my fault. He took it home. So uh, if your wife is listening, it's his fault, not mine. <laughs> Jesus says Jesus is my friend. Jesus is my friend, too. Jesus is my friend. Love Prince, says Maria Wade, 1999. We're actually about to... Leave or so. I don't know if you mentioned already, but we're gonna we have to take off early, early today. Uh, so we're probably Good. gonna take off. That means I don't have to minutes. tell you why I don't like the television series chosen. Praise oh, God. No. I didn't, yeah, ha- I did not have to go there. Uh, good. You're Praise gonna God. cause uh, <laughs> hatred, <laughs> hatred among the people of God. <laughs> uh, what do you do with the drunken sailor? What do you do with the drunken sailor? Something I actually don't know any morning. of these songs. And my kids know that song, the shanties. See, I didn't teach them that. I, I didn't even know that one. I feel bad. Please, please do pray for my children. They have me to deal with. 
Uh, what else is on the agenda today? Praise be to God. I would love to know. Straw poll. You got about, uh, we go off the air at five in five minutes, six minutes? Yes, exactly. Uh, straw poll, uh, Easter Vigil or Sunday Morning Mass? Let's hear it in the comments. Which, which did you go to? Easter Vigil or Sunday Morning Mass? I tell you what, uh, so behind me, you might have noticed today that the scourged Jesus is not with us today. Uh, behind me, I have the statue of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. It is a beautiful statue nonetheless. Um, but the scourged Jesus was taken on Friday uh, to participate in a procession in, at a parish nearby. And it looked amazing. It looked amazing. Praise be to God. We were talking, uh, I guess we were on, it was Thursday. Forgive me, it was taken Thursday. Because we weren't here on Friday. And um, it was just awesome to see. It was really awesome to see these these processions, uh, and we we showed a video on Thursday of the processions that take place in Spain. And golly, you is if I was if I was as rich as Bill Gates, I would fund that. If I was George Soros, that's what I'd put my my billions into, making that awesome again around the world. Who knows? Someday, God's will be done. Henry Herrera said, "8 a.m. Sunday Mass." Gloria says, "Morning, good morning, Gloria." Um, Chris said he went to both. So thanks. That's pretty cool, Chris. My my uh, older sister actually went to both. I did not get up. I was planning on going to both. I was going to go in the morning as well. Because uh, if you didn't know, the the liturgies for the vigil and the liturgy for the morning are entirely separate liturgies. They're different. Um, and so you can, if you go to the two liturgies, they're very, very different from each other. So if you ever get the chance to go to both, I highly recommend it. But yeah, that's pretty cool, Chris, that you went, they're able to go to both. I was able to go to both. I just didn't want to get up because, uh, <laughs> you know, I was being lazy. So Joaquin, yeah. Joaquin says Easter Vigil. Myra says Easter Vigil. We baptized our first godson. Wow, oh. Myra. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah, praise be to God. Yeah, we had three baptisms. What about y'all at uh, Regina Chaley? None. Oh wait, it was probably at Easter Vigil. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you, yeah, yeah they, they, they save the they save all that for Easter Vigil, not for the lazy folks in Sunday morning like us. I guess I don't know. Oh, by the way, Lori says Prince. Duh, duh. duh. <laughs> you really like that, buddy. Uh, Alaric said he went to Vigil Mass. He said I wanted to go to the morning mass as well, but I was wiped out after making a trip to the to the Benedictines of Mary's Abbey Church for Good Friday. Excellent, those nuns can sing. I also oh. listened to their chant as well. See that that's all coming around. Yeah, all I'm so jealous. Pieces coming together. Is gorgeous. Absolutely. Now, before we run out of time, let's uh, real quick talk about this week. So tomorrow. It looks as though, now, I mean, let's, God's will be done in all things. It looks as though Michael Knowles from the Daily Wire will be our guest tomorrow in our guest segment in the first hour to talk about the woke culture. So uh, looking forward to that. Somebody we've been trying to reach out to for quite a while, and it's good to get him finally on the hook. So praise God for that. Patrick Coffin will be on later this week to talk about his being canceled off of YouTube for questioning the narrative. And uh, we're going to have some other guests, some interesting guests. Michael Lofton is coming back. Now, so here's an opportunity. If you have a tough question, where's Mr. Thomas when we need him? If you have a really tough question about the Catholic faith, like you're, you're, that's like the hardest questions you can think of, send those in an email to Mr. Fonseca, Adrian Fonseca. 
so that we can ask those to Michael Lofton. He's going to come on Wednesday. That's right. Wednesday in the first hour, 7.15 Central. No, forgive me. 6.15 a.m. Central, 7.15 a.m. Eastern on Wednesday. So uh, Michael Knowles tomorrow, Patrick uh, Michael Lofton on Wednesday, uh, Patrick Coffin Thursday. Now, I'm also working on getting a guy who was ex-CIA agent who whose job it is, he has an organization f- with a, a ton of people helping him who hunt down human traffickers and and to help drag them kicking and screaming into prison prayerfully and thankfully. And I'm I was so glad to be able to connect with him and uh, and he is a, a major figure in the fight against human trafficking around the world, especially here in the United States. And he is going to be on our show. Hopefully this week we're trying to line that up. As well as we're trying to line up, I think it's the producer or director of Roe v. Wade? The director. Yeah, so we're getting the director of the movie Roe v. Wade, which uh, we have like a minute before we go off. But real quick, it's uh, this movie is getting lambasted big time because it reveals the true story of what happened with Roe v. Wade. So I'm hopefully we'll have him on this week, if not this week, the next. Yeah, so full lineup this week. We have a lot of great guests and conversation coming. But we're going to end early because at 8 o'clock Central is Intersections with Brie Dale and Joey Mignon out of Rome. So we're talking about Chosen today. Oh, I should tune in and then chime in with my non-popular opinion about the television series Chosen. Maybe we'll have to talk about that tomorrow on uh, the after show. Somebody can ask me how I feel about it, and I'll share with you how I feel about it. At any rate, God love you. God bless you. Happy Easter. We'll see you right back here, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern for Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And Emily will be back in studio, so her audio will just be better. Praise be to God. We'll see you then. Take care. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. and hopes what's next we're gonna watch uh, left behind with kurt cameron uh kurt, kurt cameron's left behind is one of the greatest works of theology i've ever seen <laughs> good morning joey
Can't hear you. Uh, there we go. All right. Sorry. Much better. <clears throat> I try to mute both of them just in case. Cool. Uh, so it's going to sound echoey today because all of my furniture is not here. So I can already hear the echo in my headphones, but, uh, that's okay. That we'll live with it today. Time. Yeah. But I actually have better lighting in here and it doesn't look like I'm sitting in a padded cell. Yeah. It looks, uh, there's actual furniture. So it looks good. Looks better already. Yep. So uh, there'll be a couch and some other stuff just to fill the room. And then if it's still quite echoey, I'm just going to get some uh, acoustic panels for behind my screen. So it bounces, so it doesn't bounce off and get caught. And then I'll probably get some for the ceiling just to deaden whatever's left, but awesome to work at work in progress. One step at a time. Yeah. So at least I'm not working on a dinner table, like on the dining room table anymore. It's uh, it's nice to have my own desk, your own space. Yeah. Let's see. All right, so today you're talking about Chosen. Um, yeah, so that'll be like the end. Well, we're going to, because I've never watched it. So we're going to have to talk. Bree's going to, the idea that I had was just kind of have her tell me about it. Like, okay. tell me why I should watch it, Bree. Tell me all the things that there are about it and let her kind of dig into it a little all right. bit. Because that's more of her thing. Well, but, if uh, Joe tries to come on your show, don't let him on. He's going to uh, talk about how horrible Chosen is and how he doesn't recommend it to anybody. Yeah, I know that Brie likes it and she knows the guy that's in it. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, I've never seen it. Literally couldn't tell you one thing about it. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. Uh, but Joe is on a crusade against it. He said uh, his, uh, the biggest issue of our times is the fact that Chosen exists uh, it's that, and then the transgenderism issue. I was told there's the an vaccines. indulgence uh, for all crusaders against Chosen. So oh, well, I mean, if I die good... in the process of crusading against Chosen, I get to go immediately to heaven. That's right. I mean, right. That's a win-win for everybody, really. It's a win-win for all of humanity. Praise be to God. What that Joe dies, or and that I go to get to that, go to heaven, and then he gets oh, to go to heaven, yeah. and that Chosen <laughs> gets crusaded against. So all three. So it's a win-win for everybody. Yes. It's, it checks all of Joe's boxes. It's a triumvirate of awesomeness. Yep. So we're going to finish out with that, but I think the rest of it is going to be, um, we're going to talk about some stuff that, of course, the Vatican. <coughs> so we'll talk about that. Awesome. He's got some updates in the, the, what the Pope had said for his, during his mass or the blessing he gave, he skipped China. <laughs> he oh. Poor China. <laughs> he, did. he he called out a lot of atrocities and a lot of things going around. And then the didn't world. mention China. Not even a little what, bit. Well, did did the, he mention voter ID laws in Georgia? I'm just curious. Uh, I'm sure if he did, he'd probably be against it. The border? Did well, he mention the border wall? I'm just, just well. It's understandable. Wondering. You mean? I mean, it's not. It's not really an issue in China. <laughs> the border yeah, IDs. A, well, <laughs> well, no. That's because they already have a a, a border wall. Yes. Um, the Great Wall, and there's no voter because you don't vote there, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter, right? It's, it's a pretty epic wall. I I, uh, I might get one myself. So if we built a wall that looked like that, would people be in favor of it? I'm just curious. Actually, that'd be really cool to have your own. That's like a work of like beautiful architecture instead of these ugly slates. Like, what's up with that? Well, I I love the picture of Donald Trump where he's just got his hands up on the the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem, and he's just like, "Tell me your secrets. <laughs> Tell me your secrets." <laughs> That's creepy, dude. Um, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about 
the stuff that happened in London on Good Friday. Yeah. Uh, and then in Canada when they tried to shut down the mass. And then if we have some time, I want to throw in a little bit about the infrastructure bill that has been proposed. Just to kind of round out, round out uh, our cornucopia of topics that we have. Yeah, absolutely. And, you so, know, are you guys able to talk about uh, the like what's going on in the military with the, the wokeness out of control? So we can. It's just uh, it's, it's easier for Bree to talk about than it would be me because I'm still technically in the military. So I don't want to get my hand smacked for saying yeah. Uh, for I guess I'm not in uniform, so it doesn't really matter. I'm allowed to have an opinion, but uh, it is something I'd like to put like do a whole like a whole longer segment on um, because I have friends that are sending me stuff now. So, hey, what's up? We can hear you. I have friends that are sending me stuff and telling me the kind of training and whatnot that they're going through. It's crazy. Um, I'm I, I'm waiting for an email. Like I, I still have like I have my government emails, my military and civilian government emails, and I'm waiting for them to send some like woke powerpoints or woke that's exciting stuff yeah because as soon as that's it's um, that's a wrap like i just send it to me give it to me um but yeah i want to do it was potentially maybe a topic i think something else is going to come out about this week about it um mm-hmm. the secretary of defense was supposed to say something else this week about it so we'll see if something happens and if we can work it in next week that would be choice I have no problems, so I will poop all over it if that's what it takes. So. <laughs> I have well, no have a qualms. good show, guys. God love Thank you. Thank you very much. Hey, so the Michael Knowles thing, what time is he going to be on tomorrow? Because I'm not going to miss that for the 635. Uh, six, tomorrow, yeah, 635 Central. He is my favorite person on the Daily Wire. Same. And, uh, my girlfriend loves him. Like he's, We watch him almost every day. We watch his show. So it's, that's pretty sweet that he's going to be on. Like, a really cool. Uh, let me see. Now, your headspace is cool this time. It yes, it looks good. Yeah. And Joey looks a little red, though. It's just it's the, the lighting and color correction that happened. And the drinking. Yes. All that, too. Yeah, you've got to stop drinking so much, man. It was Easter. <laughs> no. <laughs> Fair enough. Italians, the Italians don't really need us. Uh, I know. A, 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 it's like cause. it's Monday and yeah. Tuesday and Wednesday. Yeah. I bet. That's yeah, awesome. today's off. Like, the, everything's off today. So there's no, yeah, the, everybody's them. closed and everything's still. Um, I'm infuriated that all the Catholic schools are still having school today. I. <laughs> no. The, the my uh, people were over and they were like, "Oh, we gotta go. We have I have an exam due tonight, and I got homework to do for tomorrow." I'm like, what? No, you have it's Easter. Stop. We're supposed to be celebrating, and you can't do homework on Holy uh, Good Friday and Holy Saturday. I, hey, am I? 
Wow. <laughs> am I less? Am, yeah. Wow. I wonder how the Muslim. I wonder how wow. many Muslims are working on uh, on Easter sa- Sunday or Good Friday. N- none of them. They're all taking the days off. I mean, they, they take the whole week of Ramadan off. It, it's a whole month. Oh, we got a whole month. Easter. All of the Muslims I worked with in Surabaya took Easter off. All took Easter. Took Good Friday. Really? All of them. Because well, it is a holiday. It is a religious thing for them, too. I think yeah. a lot of them overlap. Am I just I think red, they enjoy the taking Christian holidays as extras. <laughs> That's what I thought. Bonus days. Yeah, bonus. Anyway. Adrian, am I less red? Uh, okay, yeah, it's fine. No, it's fine. Do that, and then I'll throw it back to you. Because I'll, I'll say that I'll say the spiel I normally say, and then I've I've put in the topic so that we can at least set the agenda for the for the day, which I already sent you. I didn't change it, and then I'll send it back to you to talk about. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So I'm gonna send it back to you to talk about uh, the Vatican. I'm just gonna say, Bree, what do you have for us today? And then. Awesome. Joe's going to start to rack up indulgences at this rate. Uh, so that's, uh, am I less red? I changed the, I think the hue or the gamma. I forget which one. So I'm, I'm more skin colored now and not uh, rosy red. Uh, I mean, I can turn it down some more, but it's also part of the just, I don't know, lighting and maybe I am red. Oh. Take a look in a second. I'll play with the color correction more like later. If it's not awful right now, it's better. It's hard to tell on my camera. Yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah, that's fine. I mean, there, there's. You can chime in and say something. There might be something that sparks you. Um, but uh, <coughs> I'll just be like this. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's our signal. Our signal is this. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, yeah. I think that by the time we get to the political stuff, we're probably going to be shorter, shortish on time. So I'm not overly concerned about that section. Very end. Nah, we're just going to plow through all the church, the cool church stuff. Cause there was actually quite a bit that happened that I thought was really interesting. And normally I'm like trying to stretch to make it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, chosen and Biden. If if there's time, like the Biden stuff's not really. I just it's politics, so I threw it in there. But yeah, there's a lot about the 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 Canada and UK stuff. Like there's just some details and things that I've I, I put in my notes. Oh yes, you do look better. Uh, I'll go over how to use how to better use OBS to color correct after the show. Cool, sweet. Yes. Yeah, oh, your camera looks better too, Brie. She has the same one I have now. 
Oh, sweet. Looks much, looks great. For some reason, uh, Apple still doesn't put a 1080p HD camera. Are y'all, are y'all monitoring your, the chats or do you want me to keep sending them to y'all? Uh, keep sending it to okay, us because cool. I can't look at that. And awesome. The thing at the no problem. And uh, we have one minute. I'm going to put you on mute. Live from the Sundry.